As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into Ant Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, here to discuss the mighty, mighty Cubs who uh, lost, what, so it was 15-3 to three, uh, in the two games this weekend against the Pirates, is that right? It was 8-2 to two and 7-1? to one. Uh, Yeah, there it, we go, it, math. It, it's not something I want to hold like deeply in my brain, so I'm, I'm letting those numbers kind of fade. If I'm off by a little bit, it's because I did not intend to commit them to memory uh nor did i want to commit much of the performances this weekend to memory um we have some bigger picture stuff that uh the performance this weekend has sort of set up as a conversation but you know we can't sit down here on a monday morning to record this thing for you folks and not mention the games uh was there anything anything interesting about these games in Pittsburgh to you that goes outside the scope of sort of the, you know, offensive woes that we will talk about the, uh, what do the Cubs do now that we'll talk about, you know, like, let me open with, I thought it was interesting in a bad way, uh, (laughs) that Zach Davies struggled so badly with his control on Saturday to the tune of the worst start of his career. That was actually in a, in a very sort of average, in a good way, career. That was his worst. It was tied with an outing he had by game score a few years ago, but that was against the Dodgers, very good Dodgers team. This was against <laughs> this Pirates team. So I, I would regard that as the worst start of his career. So that was something that stood out to me just as like, oh, I did not see that coming as part of you know, what I was prepared to talk about from this weekend. Was there anything like that for you guys that you were like, oh, there's that too. And it could be good. It could be, it doesn't have to be bad. The rest of this is going to be very, very doom laden. So if you want to, hey, there's about, nothing good that, that good? you can point to and take away. Let's, 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 don't mislead our listeners, yeah. Brett. Hey, the bullpen, they strike out guys. The bullpen strikes guys out. They're good they at that. They did cover, you know what? You could in those two games. So uh, Zach Davies, just a disastrous outing. Didn't even get through two innings. Uh, Trevor Williams homecoming to Pittsburgh, not very successful. 
Uh, he did manage to go 3.1 innings. That's, though, so that's he really stretched it out there. And only five runs. Uh, but on the whole, the, the bullpen covered it very well from there. Now, I mean, it's like the lowest of low leverage at that point when you're coming in and you're just getting innings. And uh, But, you know. They did. They've they've continued to have success. It's, they kept it's not that, nothing. They kept the team in there. They kept it. <laughs> they kept them within striking distance. That's that six seven run. I mean, with an offense like this, you never you're in know. the game. You know, you never know. The Cubs could could uh, finally bust out and score more in a game than the Pirates scored in the second inning on Saturday. Uh, one of these days, they might do someday, it. maybe. Uh all right. I mean, I guess we can leave like. I mean, Chris Bryant continues to hit well. There's that. He he's he's still uh, leading the way. And this series saw Javi Baez's offensive performance on the short season flip to positive. So you know the two of them, I think, have uh, a, you know been decent, very early stories relative to their performance last year. Although I understand what people will point to with respect to Javi is his two um, very very non competitive at bats in Sunday's loss. Uh, after the home run, but uh, I don't know. I see that, and I'm just like, well, that's that's hobby. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not new. It's not, you know, he's going to hit a home run, and then he's going to do that, and you just you got to just accept it. Uh, okay, so here's the question. Then we'll just we'll just hit this then, and it was um, I'll frame it around a uh, poll question that I had tweeted out on the at Bleacher Nation Twitter account, but I think it. It, it's the starting point for a good conversation that I think a lot of us fans and media are going to be having over the coming month plus. And it's, it's essentially this, is it too early? And Mooney, you wrote about this too. The shouts to Mooney's piece at the athletic uh, today. Check it out folks. You know, is it too early nine games to start thinking about what this means for uh, the 2021 Chicago Cubs and the course they should take the decisions they should make, et cetera, et cetera. Is it too early to even, should I not even be raising that question? I'm going to flip it to you first, Mooney, to respond because you have, I think you offered up the right perspective on this question. Well, I think it's, you can acknowledge it's early and a long season without totally ignoring the context that we've been given for years here with this offense. And we all saw how ownership and the business side, um, created the parameters for what the baseball side could do uh, in terms of spending money this offseason. And, you know, the Cubs could not have realistically been more healthy coming out of spring training and could not have had an easier start to the season in terms of schedule. And they're four and five. And these were, um, I mean, two totally non-competitive losses to the worst team in baseball on top of that you know, opening day clunker that was, you know, I think a couple of my colleagues there were, you know, uh, you know, making Theo Epstein references of like, uh, like, is Theo watching this? Like, just like the absolute like billboard for what's wrong with baseball. So, you know, this is kind of the point I made in the story was, you know, when Andy Dalton takes over as the Bears quarterback, he has to kind of wear the organization's failure at that position for generations and you know these cubs players kind of have to wear the circumstances in which they're playing and we all know that uh the trade deadlines looming free agency is looming um the revolving door of 
hitting coaches, the U Darvis trade, like all of that thrown together, they've given themselves like the smallest possible margin for error. They've given themselves no benefit of the doubt. And this is life in the big leagues. You know, as Judge Hoyer said, this is Chicago. This is a big market. Like this is part of the trade-off. Like if, you know, the Seattle Mariners don't have to deal with this because they play all the way out in Seattle. But if you're the Chicago Cubs and you kind of came into this thinking you were going to be a dynasty, like you have to kind of deal with those expectations. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, we have this like need to want to like treat it how the team should, right? Like that's not our job to think like the players or, or David Ross. We, we don't need to, I mean, think about like some of the things that players say to kind of trick themselves into like, you know, that it's always focus on today. Forget about yesterday. None of that matters. I went 0 for 4. I went 4 for 4. It doesn't matter, right? They have to be in this mindset of only today matters. I, I get it. I, players should not be thinking about the 2020 season. David Ross shouldn't be dwelling on uh, Javi was striking out a lot last year and he's striking out again this year. I'm concerned. Oh no, the offense has the same issues. He can't be dwelling on those things he has to figure out how to move forward and try and win games he can't dwell on the fact that they look you know listless against one of the worst teams in baseball uh, but our job is to take all that context, all of that stuff that's been going on that Patrick just mentioned and apply it to here. I don't care that it's nine games. Yes, it's nine games and things can turn around. But context tells us this is kind of a mess right now. And and we know this reality of the situation is that if they don't turn this around quickly. We we know what's going to happen in July. Their best case scenario right now is that KB and, and Kimbrell continue to to pitch the or play the way they're playing, right? Uh, I shouldn't say best case scenario. If the wins and losses continue this in this fashion, they're going to need KB and Kimbrell to continue to perform like this to get any value out of the 2021 season. Because right now, a disaster scenario is continue to play like this, and KB falls apart, and and Kimbrell, you know, looks like 2020 or early 2020 Kimbrell, 2019 Kimbrell, whatever it is. So I just don't. I, I, I think it's hard to avoid what, what you put out on Twitter, Brett. Like, how do you avoid this this idea that this is what this season is about? We've been, it's not like we, we hid from it and didn't talk about it all offseason. We know that this is what this season is about. So you can't just say it's early, it's early, it's early. This is what the point is. If they get off to a slow start, if they look bad at the start this is going to be hammered home and it's going to be two months of this regardless of it makes sense or not regardless of whether trades don't happen till late june or not this is the reality that they face uh they need to turn it around quickly otherwise this is all we'll be talking about with the breakup of this team let me ask you guys a version of the specific question i asked which uh let me put it to you this way so it's it's april 12th right now uh and it comes to four and five it's not like in isolation that's a Oh my God, they're so out of it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, frankly, I would say they are lucky as hell to have won four games uh, to this point. But if some team came to the Cubs right now, came to Jed Hoyer and said, hey, you know, we can kind of see how things are going for you. We would rather get more of Kimbrell and Bryant for this year. And so we don't want you to wait for trade season. We don't want to let you see the the market develop, which is why realistically trades aren't going to happen right now. But let's say, let's imagine some team comes and says, and we've got a, an acceptable offer for you. Let's, let's imagine whatever that version is to you. 
but it's like, oh, that's a that's actually a pretty decent prospect package. Do you think Jed Hoyer would today, April 12th, pull the trigger and trade those two guys today if the right deal was there? Which, again, so that the listeners understand that it's not actually going to happen. This is all just a thought experiment because it's just not the way trade markets develop. And um, I'm not I'm certainly not thinking that this is going to occur, but I'm, I'm questioning it more from the perspective of this front office and their willingness to say, actually, yeah, this season was kind of a scrapper from the beginning. Do you think they would, that, that Jed would pull the trigger now and lock that in? Or would he say, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's early, you know, it's only nine games. Come on. We could still potentially compete. I think that's interesting. I do. I think that that would be a really hard decision for him. I think he could, it could backfire in the sense that that could look really bad and, and players, uh, you know, you could go from a franchise. I mean, think about how much Patrick, all of us have t- written about and talked about how the Cubs were a destination, right? For over the past few years, how they turned this organization into a destination. That's quickly how you get a b- bad reputation and, and say, this is not a player's organization anymore. This is not a place where players uh, can trust that, that they're going all out to win and that they're doing the things necessary to make you feel happy and comfortable and feel like this is about winning. So I think that would have to be considered in Jed's part. If it were me, and and I'm trying, like, I'm very down on this team right now. The offense needed to show me a lot more. I, I know, I, I agree, Brad, it's four and five. It, it's nine games, all that stuff. I, I'm going to keep repeating that because I think it, it I, I don't want to sound like I'm not aware of that, but but I would, I would take whatever you can get just because the, I shouldn't say whatever you can get. If you're getting a good offer, I think the risk is too high that things fall apart for either Kimbrell or Bryant that you may not be able to get that offer in a couple months. Uh, I think you take good offers right now because my my perspective of this team right now is they're not going to they may turn it around. They may be decent. They're not going to make they're not I don't think they're a playoff caliber team and I don't think if they do make the playoffs that they're good enough to make noise. Unless things unless the offense becomes the suddenly becomes the team we've been thinking about for years, right? And that's not going to happen. It, I, oh, I, you so, had to say it. I, I don't want to turn this you but are... what, I, I don't want to completely <laughs> change this, but what would it take for you to 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 believe in this offense? Like how many weeks? Is it weeks, months? Too, is it is it already too late? Is it <laughs> I mean, no, but I'm saying is like, that bad if I if they do it for two months, if the next two months they're just and they 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 got the Dodgers and the Braves coming up in a couple weeks. I mean, if they start if they just start turning it on five plus runs average a game. Uh, Javi's hitting, KB's hitting, Rizzo's hitting, Wilson's hitting, Happer's hitting. All these guys are hitting, and it, like, do you? Does it take two months? Is it? Is it six weeks? Is it four months? What is it? Or are we just done? Well, I'm gonna. I don't have I, an I wanna answer. Resp- by the way, I don't know what my answer. Yeah, is. Yeah, I want to respond to that only because, and it's. I don't know if it's a fair response, but like, so we like to have these conversations about quote the offense, and it's like that's not really a thing. You know, it's made up of individuals and sort of you have to look at individual performances. And yeah, there's probably some collective impact, you know, in terms of what the organization is doing, what the coaching staff is doing uh, and all that. But ultimately, you're talking about individual player performances. And so for me to like believe, I'd have to see some really specific things from particular guys over a period of time for me to be like, oh, this is going to hold together. And it's different for each guy like KB and, and Javi are kind of already doing the things where it's like, oh, OK, they're being themselves and i can i can be quickly convinced that last year was injury stuff for bryant 
and the weirdness of 2020 for Javi. I could be very, that, that would only take a few more weeks and I'd be like, okay, they're fine. Um, for some of the other guys, it just would be the nature of the performance. I'd have to be like, okay, I can see that this is what he's changed. This is what's sustainable. I can explain away the early season stuff because of X, Y, and Z. So that, that is all to say I've, I've resisted your question as framed, not because it's a bad question. I think it's, it's the question that we need to know the answer to in terms of what the Cubs would do in the second half. But I think it's, it's too hard for me personally to answer about the offense yeah, on the whole, I agree. especially because what you can have a lot. great yeah. offense performance overall, but like when you look at it, it's like two guys that are having completely unsustainable, you know, whatever. And then some really important players are actually really struggling under the hood. And you know, what do you do with that? I'm just wondering who's making a blow away offer even, you know, six weeks from now for Craig Kimbrough. I mean, this guy's, what he was free. He didn't sign as a free agent until like two months into the season. And how long have the Cubs been kind of dangling Chris Bryant on the trade market? Like there's no Theo out there who's as desperate as he was back then to win a world series. And we have the, Oh, you're never going to get that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's done in the whole sport. That's you're not going to see. So, that, I mean, and then I just think, Jed is, as Sadev and I, you know, wrote, is not as emotional as Theo. And I just think, I, you know, this spring reading, you know, stories still about, people still talk about like the white flag trade with the White Sox. Like, do you think, like Jed, towards the end, at some point will make this decision. And he's already held the line in terms of contract extensions. He did the Darvish deal. But he also recovered in the second half of that offseason and did these kind of modest, sensible moves to kind of put together a competitive product. And I don't see him pulling the plug on this uh, anytime soon. I think he's a pretty measured, rational person. And that he, and having said that, he certainly won't hesitate to blow it up when appropriate. But I think he would, you know. This is still his first year. I think he's certainly aware of all these type of things we're talking about. Um, and in terms of kind of the legacy and, and optics and just how bad that would look to do like white flag trade 2.0 super early. In April. <laughs> and, but, you know, the Cubs did, what was it, jump the market when they did the Arietta trade? That was around July 2nd, I want to say. Like they're it they're was. going, you know... It'll probably happen sooner than July 30th when they make these calculations, but I, I don't, he, he has not struck me at all as a person who overreacts, uh, certainly not to nine games. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, let me transition mildly off of what we're talking about, but it's really all part of the same conversation. And it's, I think where a lot of our heads go as we start having these talks because of the performance and it's at an individual level. How do you, if you can prevent this conversation from directly impacting player performance and exacerbating the very issues that we're talking about? Because we came into this season knowing that uh, because there were so many guys in walk years, because there were so many open questions about performance, because there was so little done that was designed to like max out results this year at a team level, you know, it became like a rallying cry. David Ross was being very open before the season saying, essentially, we've got a lot of guys that have individual things to do and prove this year. And so that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to cheer for each other to do their individual things and succeed. It sounds great in theory. I liked it. It was, it was sort of inverting what we normally hear. Um, and it was it was just being honest about a reality that was sort of particular to this team. Cool. Well, here's the problem is like if everybody's struggling early on and they're supposed to be focused on their own success, how do you not have that be, be its own um self-fulfilling rut creation where they're all looking at their numbers and like they're just atrocious at an individual level on the positional side like i i don't i don't get how you spin that back around if you've kind of made that your sort of focal point and guys then start seeing their struggle and especially for the guys who maybe struggled last year and wanted to hang on to the ability to say well that was bs that season i'm fine you'll see I'm fine. And then it's like not happening. What do you, I don't know. What do you do? I don't have a great answer for that. Yeah. I think, uh, it's a combination. It's a combination of a few things, right? It's the individual, right? Like a guy like Anthony Rizzo, if this goes on through this month, right? I don't think Rizzo freaks out as much, right? He, he, maybe he does cause it's a walk here and, and he's never experienced this type of year before. And maybe his, his mentality changes. I, I can't guarantee that. Right. But I, I don't believe that he'd be the type that would, that would overreact to a bad month. He's experienced a bad month before he knows who he is as a player. He, he can reset himself and get back to what works for him or, or what has worked in the past. Uh, other players may, maybe they overreact. Maybe David Bodie knows that if I have a bad month, Nico Horner's coming up and taking my job. Right. So can I slide in real quick, just to comment on him in particular? Cause you know, what really sucks for him. He's actually striking the ball very well. And, yeah. uh, he's one of the few who isn't striking out a ton. He's taking his walks. He's just kind of had really bad luck. He's like about the only one that I would say eh, it's mostly just really bad luck, but man, the numbers are so bad that, yeah, you wonder, like, at what point the pressing starts yep. and that, you know, it, it, it harms itself. Yeah. And and there's another I mean, the other factor here, other than just the individual and like taking it uh, each one who who may overreact to a situation who may not 
this is where like a guy like David Ross comes into play, a guy and and leaders in the clubhouse come into play. I, I mean, I I actually talked to Ross about this in 2015 about nipping uh, losing streaks in the bud. Like, how do what is what's the importance of leadership, right? Where where does that why does that matter? Is what I was basically getting at with him. And he said that when when a team starts to lose games, that's where leadership comes into play. When when a team starts to look bad and things start to go sideways, that's where leadership matters uh, the most. Because a three game losing streak becomes a six game losing streak. A six game losing streak becomes a twelve game losing streak. Every good team's going to have a bad run, right? How long do you let that go? A bad a team that doesn't isn't focused and, and focused on the right things are going to let that spin out of control too far right that's when it gets that's when those losing streaks really get extended that's when those ruts really get extended now i mean maybe that's just all nonsense right <laughs> maybe that's just more of the more of the talk that i was talking about with you know how baseball players trick themselves and with their mentality right it, have a, this positive mindset trick yourself into forgetting about the past and just focus on today and that's how i get the job done uh but but i think there is something to it and and i don't ultimately it's going to come down to you have to be good enough you, you can have all the leadership in the world it doesn't it doesn't really matter if you guys can't just perform if they can't uh, deliver the goods then it doesn't matter how great of a leader david ross is and i still believe he's a very good manager he has the potential to be a very good manager and he is a strong leader ultimately it's the guys have to perform uh, the players have to perform and and there has to be you know it has to go beyond even leadership on the field it, it's comes down to the numbers and the performance and the results that's it's a results-based game right i mean sports are always results-based so we, we have to that that's the bottom line here yeah i mean before i go too overly negative i i do think the tone of this podcast and pretty much every article would have been a little different if the cubs had just won one more game they'd be five and four heading into milwaukee i don't want to overlook that point as well i think it was ozzy Guillen. I don't know if he was the first one to say it, but I remember kind of at the beginning of my career, him saying, you know, kind of rolling his eyes at the Chicago media being like, you guys cover every game like it's the NFL. <laughs> and that's always kind of stuck in my head because uh, Ozzy's right. And, and, you know, he certainly has a, a great feel for the rhythms of baseball. And we try to do that and contextualize everything. But I think another wise man, uh, Jim Deshaies, is on the broadcast yesterday, kind of subtly acknowledged um, that guys do kind of start to press. Uh, you, you do carry one day over into the next as much as you say otherwise publicly. It's really, really hard to completely divorce one game or one at bat uh, from the next. And I think the Cubs have shown they can live with some of these offensive failures as frustrating as they can be um just seeing Davies and Williams back to back like that it just makes you wonder if this is the year where the bottom falls out on the pitching and then it just gets really ugly that you know Javi this is what his 11th year in the organization like he's not going to become Kevin Euclid's overnight like we all understand that strikeouts are a part of his game but Ross acknowledged yesterday it was not a particularly clean game i mean when you have these like just non-competitive games like the the defense is a tick off 
Uh, you just have these just kind of going through the motions innings. It's just a really, really just bad look. And, you know, I think it's going to fall on Ross like a lot of stuff uh, has since he took this job. And, you know, guys like uh, Kyle Hendrickson, Jake Arietta, that it was part of the reason they wanted Arietta was for his kind of like swagger and presence and big picture sensibilities. And, you know, they need that because they don't have like you Darvish uh, on one of his bets pitcher on the planet type tears to lean on. Well, and I, it's, um, it was funny to see both Sahadev and I nodding, as you mentioned, that what if this is the year that the bottom falls out on the pitching and then, then things get really ugly because it is true that here in the early going and for several years running, the Cubs have been able to have their pitching, both starting and the bullpen, outperform what you would expect that they would be able to do, um, both on the basis of some great defense, but also just the game planning and the execution and the guys that they target. Clearly, they have a little bit of secret sauce there, but we've acknowledged you look at this rotation in particular, and there's a lot of downside there. You know, we love the guys at certain individual levels for what they can be, but overall it's, it's not necessarily a really impressive rotation. And um, if that falls off, especially in the way it did this weekend, and if the bats aren't hitting, you just, you have these completely um, throwaway losses. And um, well, and just quickly, this week, like what Patrick was touching on there, like the defense can't just be okay. It can't be an average defense. And we touched on this in the off season. They, I mean, they were they terrible over the weekend? No, but they missed some plays that were probably plus plays to plus plus plays. They're going to have to make those. They don't get the benefit of the doubt. They have to be an elite defense. Otherwise, we're going to see games like this because you give extra outs to guys that put the ball in play. Eventually, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you and you'll have ugly losses. Yeah, I, I'll just I'll slip in stray comment for which I have no analytical backing at the moment. Just something I guess people can pay attention to. I have felt like the base outfield defense, Jock Peterson, Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, both collectively and individually have looked not bad so far, but like just there have been a lot of plays where I'm kind of like, huh, surprised nobody got to that or, oh, I'm surprised that played out like that. So I'll be that's something that's now on my radar. And so, you know, thanks for reiterating that. Um, Okay, so this week, Cubs get the Brewers again. They'll be playing in Milwaukee. Uh, obviously they, the bats struggled badly against them, uh, at, at Wrigley last week. Uh, incidentally, the Brewers have been worse overall offensively than the Cubs so far this year, which is a real, I'm just like, how is that possible? Uh, but it is true. And they, uh, they will be like dealing with uh, Colton Wong is runs. out. Didn't they score like 16 runs What's over that? the weekend? Didn't they score 16 runs over two well, games? Hey, man, people may not have noticed when we were recording this. I could, you know, I know we mentioned like dates and stuff. I could have said, no, 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 no. That segment was recorded early on Saturday when that was still true. Why are you just like throwing me totally I'm under just, the bus? Uh, All right. Well, there was a point in the recent past. Sorry. And I, I know because I was making sarcastic, hilarious tweets about the Cubs and then making jokes about the Brewers in relation to that. Uh, but in any case, they have not generally been overly impressive offensively. Maybe not as bad as the Cubs, uh, but uh, the pitching certainly has been impressive. And the Cubs got owned by that quite a bit last week by the Brewers. And so it'll be interesting to see how that goes, because they're going to get 
Peralta, Woodruff, and Burns this week. Oof. That is not an antidote to your bats struggling. But as uh, Patrick said, you know, we leave open the possibility that like a couple of these games go uh, the Cubs way. You know, just like if one of the games this weekend had flipped the other direction, the the, the tone and the tenor of our comments might be slightly different. And that's um, certainly possible this week, depending on what the Cubs do against the Brewers. So uh, we'll be back at you on Thursday uh, in the middle of that series. It'll be interesting to see what we're saying at that time. Uh, check out Patrick's piece on a lot of these topics at The Athletic. Always check out Sahadev stuff. In fact, let me shout out your seam shifted wake piece. Uh, Sahadev, people are going to want to read that because it was like the buzz topic of the offseason. But I'll admit it too. It was sort of like, okay, I kind of get it, but I need someone to explain it to me in a way that's a little more accessible to me. So uh, big, important topic, particularly in relation to someone like Kyle Hendricks and how he succeeds. So give that a read. Uh, you can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. You can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, and also uh, send us your emails if you want us to chat uh, kind of with you. I mean, it's sort of like we're having a, a one-way conversation when you send that email to uh, it's it's Waveland. Uh-oh, I'm going to mess it up, Michael. You might have to slip. You might have to jump on the podcast and drop the email because I, I didn't have it at the ready. He's, he's it's wavelandathletic at gmail.com. Waveland. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Wavelandathletic at gmail.com uh and otherwise we'll talk to you folks again soon with more doom probably okay goodbye <laughs>